Okay, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to, um, going to share a little bit from uh, John 13. Hey, people were listening to me last week. I said I was getting a new Bible. Wow, people listened. <laughs> yep. You have to li- you go to the website and listen to the message from last week. <laughs> Awesome. John 13. I'm actually going to start from uh, verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. But not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's a really interesting passage, and if you know the book of John... This is actually the start of a new part of what John's trying to do. Up until this point, he's been looking at Jesus' public ministry, his space of uh, what he did in, in the public space and miracles and all sorts of things publicly. But in chapter 13, the second half of John, we switch. And, and all of a sudden, John starts sharing about what Jesus wants to say to his disciples. And in this space, this is the first thing that John wants to communicate to us about how Jesus wanted to start teaching his disciples. And it's a really profound story that most of us are familiar with. But being familiar with something doesn't make it any less significant. And sometimes we like getting into the details and the nitty-gritty and the sensational stuff. And we actually forget the profound foundational things that actually drive us and motivate us. And this is one of those things. Last week I shared about how significant the gospel is and the power of the gospel in our lives. 
and what it means to be new creations and living through the lens of this powerful gospel. And Jesus actually reiterates that at the start of this. He says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that is, he had all authority. So Jesus was carrying the the authority of the Father and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So the foundation, the premise on which he does this act is the fact he has the authority of the Father, he's from God and he's going back to God. There's a union, there's a transaction, there's a, there's a bond. His identity and his purpose is defined. And that is one of authority. That is one of intimacy with the Father. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And so we can see as he approaches this act, he's not just doing it as a nice idea off the whim. He's actually approaching this act from a position of unity with the Father, authority from the Father, and the heart of the Father in what he's doing. This act is actually a demonstration. It's like a live parable of what he came to earth to do. Coming towards Christmas, we often think of Jesus being a little baby. Emmanuel, God with us. God the Almighty coming in a vulnerable human form. And it's true. It is true. But the risk of staying in that place is we forget what it means for God to surrender himself into a human form. We forget what it means for him to humble himself. Because a baby doesn't really have much power. A baby doesn't really have much choice. A baby is just thrown in to a family life and just they just exist God was a lot more intentional than that and we can see here Jesus intentionality that during the supper he gets up he breaks tradition because there is no teacher no leader of a household no one should ever have to wash the feet of people below them that's something that is way way out of his his class, his league. Forget that he's, he's actually God represented on earth. Even in, in the culture, in the human speaking space, he's actually doing something fairly humiliating. It's interesting because there's actually three hierarchies. There's those with authority. There's those who are without authority, but who are Jewish. And then there's those who aren't Jewish. And it's the third category that did the washing of the feet. Even your Jewish servants might not wash your feet. It was your non-Jewish ones that would wash your feet. The exception to that was within family. Sometimes you might have a child wash a parent's foot as a sign of affection alongside of a sign of submission. Or you may have a student wash a teacher's foot. Again, as a sign of of respect but you would never ever have a parent wash a child's foot or a teacher wash a student's foot and yet here we see Jesus completely smashing this cultural norm recently we're in Fiji 
a group of young adults went over to Fiji and I got to tag along, which was awesome. And, uh, and in that space, every house you go into, you take your shoes off. That's, that's normal. That's, uh, that's the custom. But what it means is you're often wearing sandals around the place rather than laced up shoes because it's too awkward to be taking your shoes on and off um, if you've got to do them up all the time. And so the, the other factor in, in that was it's, uh, it's cane... Uh, cane sugar season where they're cutting the cane sugar and they're processing it in a plant so the whole place was covered in black soot and at the end of the day you would get back to the accommodation and your feet would just be black the whole bottom of your feet were just black and you you felt even bad walking inside with these black feet and uh and, and everyone just the first thing you wanted to do is wash your feet um, and it's similar in their culture. They're walking around with sandals on. Um, everywhere you're going, you're just, your feet are just accumulating dirt. So the idea of washing feet was normal, but not for someone in Jesus' position. The interesting thing is Simon Peter, I, I love Simon Peter. I love him because he says what people are thinking. Um, he's kind of, he talks first and thinks second. But the beauty of that is we actually get to see the dialogue of what he's thinking um, that none of the others were brave enough to say. And, uh, and the beauty of that is there's some stuff that's messed up here. He goes, this isn't right. You shouldn't be washing my feet. This doesn't make sense. And Jesus' response is, is pretty amazing. And his response is actually on a couple of different levels. Because practically he's sitting there washing his feet and he says, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. And yet you don't understand what I'm talking about. More will come later. You see, Jesus was expressing, not just symbolically, but physically expressing what he was on earth to do. That he was to be humbled like a servant and to serve. And he was literally serving. He was literally modeling that which he was sent to do. And yet he recognized that there was more to the picture. That in, in serving, he was going to actually serve in a way that they did not see coming. To give up his life, to lay down his life as an act of service. This story is profound. So Simon says, ah, I see what's going on here. You're trying to teach me something. So wash my whole body. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't, if you have a bath, you don't need your whole body washed. You just need your feet washed. And again, there's a distinction. There's, an, there's another level of what this looks like. In that, in that Peter was already committed. He was already following Christ. He was already in a place of surrender. The gospel at that point that they were aware of was to repent to repent, to turn from your own way and be prepared for the kingdom that's coming. And Peter had surrendered to that message. So he said, you don't need your whole body washed, but your feet are dirty. Let's deal with them. He then makes a couple of really interesting things. He mentions a couple of really interesting things. He says, and you are clean, but not every one of you. So he knows about what's, what Judas is doing coming up. 
And it says, for he knew who was to betray him. And this is another profound part of what this demonstrates. What this demonstrates is that Jesus was prepared to wash the feet of Judas as well. So often we look at this when when Jesus says, go and do likewise, and we go, awesome. I'm going to hang out with my buddies and we're going to just wash each other's feet. We're going to serve one another. And yet Jesus makes it very clear that it's even the one that betrays you that I'm going to wash the feet of. And lastly, he goes into the space of talking about doing the same. Last week when I talked about what it means to live through the lens of the gospel, what it means to live a transformed life. So often we look at our capacity, our ability, our understanding and we ask God to make me complete, make me whole, make me, make me the best me I can be. And yet here, Jesus is asking his students to be like him. He's not asking for the best Matt. He's actually asking for the best Christ in Matt. In Peter, we read that we actually carry the divine nature. It's no longer us that lives, but Christ that lives in us. And in this story, Jesus said, even though I serve you, you're not greater than your master. You still have to copy what I do. You still have to live like I live. You still have to imitate Christ. And yet culturally, this is a busted picture. For those that are going on Southern Cross Kids Camp, you're going to interact with a whole bunch of kids that may have never seen this in their life before. They've had people of authority and power over their circumstances that have not humbled themselves, that have abused their authority, that have exposed kids to things that they should never have experienced. This week at camp is an amazing opportunity to live like Christ and to mess with the culture, to mess with the, with the way our world is structured. I, um, I coach my son's under-14 basketball team. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. Our first season, we didn't win a game. We're now into our second season and they're starting to get a little bit of rhythm. They're, they're starting to work together. They're starting to learn how to play together. They're starting to they're actually listening, which is kind of cool. But with it has come some really interesting traits because in the first season, they were quite subdued. But in this season, we, we won our second game yesterday, which was pretty exciting. Woo! But with this idea of we have a potential to win, we actually have maybe some power here. We have some influence over the... First season, our aim was to get 16 points. That was our target because winning really wasn't something that was achievable. But 16 points was. This season, maybe winning is a possibility. But all of a sudden, the guys start getting a bit cocky. They start wanting the ball rather than passing it. They want to be the one to get the goal. Because last season, getting a goal was hard work. Whereas this season, there's actually a chance of getting a goal. So I want to get the goal. And all of a sudden, they come off the court onto the bench to, for, for a, um, a substitution, and they've got all this advice. They go, we need to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to, we've got to change what we do. Or that person needs to change what they're doing. And, and we need to, all of a sudden, as they've shifted into this pace of potential, 
they've all of a sudden got cocky and arrogant. They've won two games out of ten, yeah? They're not the best team in the world, but all of a sudden this potential has brought up in them this culture of what about me? Put me first. I want to be the one on the court. I want to be the one shooting the goals. I want to be the one that's the focus and the attention. And it's fascinating because that wasn't in the culture of the team. Where did that come from? Where did they learn that idea? They learned that from our society. But as, as you climb the ladder, as you get power, as you get responsibility, you can actually get more control. You have more influence. And yet Jesus consistently, his whole agenda on earth was to flip that upside down and say, if you have any power, if you have any authority, if you have anything to offer anyone, if you have a title, if you have a responsibility, be a servant. To the point that the creator of the universe set himself apart to demonstrate what servanthood looked like. We so often want to deal with the, with the fancy frilly stuff and we forget that at the core of the gospel is a gift that was undeserved. And Jesus says, go and do the same. The Southern Cross Kids Camp is an amazing opportunity to use your power and, and authority <coughs> as someone of influence, as someone that is not only older, but has a lot more authority than the kid, that the, the buddy you're with, the camper. Buddy, yeah. <laughs> buddy, camper. Yep. So buddies have an amazing opportunity to show the gospel to a camper. You might not have an opportunity to preach, in fact you won't, but you will have an opportunity to model. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He modeled what it was like to serve. And you're going to be able to blow the minds of these kids because that is not the world they live in. That is not the culture that they're in. And for a lot of these kids... They've been moved around from home to home. They've had no control, no power, no influence. They're nobody in the world's eyes. And yet you can say, with your power and authority, how significant and valuable they are. That's profound. The thing is, you don't have to be on a Southern Cross Kids Camp to do that. When I talked last week about the power of the gospel and looking through life through the lens of the gospel, this is at the core of the gospel. A God who humbled himself to redeem that was which was broken. And so often in the complexity of life, we fall back into the what about me mentality. We fall back into that space of I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through. I'm just trying to make it to Christmas or make it past Christmas for some people. And yet God says every single day is an opportunity in the places of influence, in the places you have authority, in the places where, where people respect you, to say, I'm going to use my power in a different way. I'm going to use my authority in a different way. And I'm going to smash the cultural norms. And I'm going to have people asking, why do you do what you do? You're weird. You're not like the rest of them. Because it is weird. It wasn't just weird to these guys. It is weird in our culture to take authority and use it with humility. I'd really encourage you this week to take that challenge on. To think about the places where you have influence. Camp is a brilliant place to do it. It's a no-brainer. You've actually set yourself apart to do this. But what about the weeks leading up to camp? There's an amazing opportunity this coming week in the places that you have influence to say, I am actually going to shine a light that's different to the light of this world. 
I'm going to make a difference, not by the words that I speak, but by the way I serve. I know that in that place, as we follow Christ, as we do as he did to us, even to those that betray us, his truth goes forth. His kingdom is advancing and he is transforming people's lives. And that is our responsibility. That is what he set us apart for. That's what he said, like I'm your teacher, go and do what I've done. And I reckon that's an exciting opportunity. That doesn't take a degree. That doesn't take training. That doesn't, the training's done. His models follow. So often we think that we're not prepared. We're not equipped. We're not enabled. I'm convinced that's a lie. I'm, I'm convinced that's a lie that cripples us. And so often it's our fear. But I really want to encourage you today to say, in places you have influence, you have everything that you need, everything required to serve. You don't need to be taught more. You don't need more knowledge. But you do need to walk in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And in that place of weakness, in that place of insecurity, in that place of uncertainty, you need to be able to trust the Spirit alive in you to carry you past that. Because as followers of Christ, He has not left us and deserted us. He has prepared us for this. And He has enabled us to do what He's called us to do. And that's not a select few. That's every single one of His followers. Let's pray.